Welcome. Today's discussion and L1 podcast is on L1 intra-company transferees. What is an L1? The L1 visa is for an intra-company transferee. Who is an intra-company transferee? Well, it's a person who has worked for a company abroad in an executive, managerial, or specialized knowledge capacity. The USCIS has specific definitions for each of these terms. The person who has worked as an executive, as a manager, or with specialized knowledge has at least one continuous year of prior work experience before coming to the United States within the past three years. And third, that the person is coming to the U.S. to work for a related company, which means it could be a parent, a subsidiary, an affiliate, or branch. And again, the USCIS has specific definitions for each of these terms. In one of these three types of positions, the executive, managerial, or specialized knowledge capacity, the person has to actually work in one of these capacities. So what's the qualifying relationship between the company abroad and the U.S. company? Well, the foreign company is where the beneficiary has previously worked, and the U.S. company is the one that the person is now coming to work at or to be transferred to, and the two of them must have a qualifying relationship. This means that the companies must satisfy the legal definition of either a parent, a subsidiary, an affiliate, or a branch. Therefore, it is important to understand the legal definition of each of these terms. Many people mistakenly assume that because the companies share a similar or the same name, that they automatically meet the legal requirements for the qualifying relationship. Well, that's somewhat helpful, but it's not the be-all and end-all. The companies really should be able to show the qualifying relationship through corporate documents, such as a stock certificate, an operating agreement, or other evidence regarding the corporate legal relationship between the two entities. One of the questions that were most often asked at the Murthy Law Firm and by me specifically, she, by me as Sheila Murthy, is what's the difference between the L1A and L1B and why can't I switch from an L1B to an L1A because I understand the green card is much faster, I want the L1A, etc., etc. So what's the difference? Well, the L1A is primarily for managerial or executive employees, while the L1B is limited to those with specialized knowledge. So what is an L1A manager? And a manager actively manages the organization or a portion of the organization, and the person manages a function. Managers either oversee the work of other supervisors, managers, or professionals, or they can manage essential functions of the organization. A manager also has a discretion over day-to-day -day operations. Generally, we found that a functional manager case tends to be much more difficult compared with a manager who oversees the, either the entire organization or a division or department within that organization. Executives, on the other hand, are responsible for directing the management 
of the organization or again of a major component or function within the company. They help to set policies and goals. They have broad latitude to make important business decisions. And obviously they operate with, at best, only minimal supervision, if at all. So that's the L1A, and that's the one that's a senior executive or manager. That's the one with the fast track EB1 that can help them to get the green card faster. That's the one everybody would ideally like to be, but not everybody, obviously, in an organization, except a very, very small percentage, can be senior executives or managers with L1A classification designation and fast track for the green card. The other, tra- the other L1 is the L1B, which is for specialized knowledge. The specialized knowledge employees have a more in-depth or detailed understanding of the company's products or services and the international markets for those products or services. Or they may have advanced knowledge of the company's processes and procedures. This specialized knowledge can be obtained only through experience with that employer such as experience with proprietary software or methodologies which are unique to the company, which is also important to the competitiveness of the company in worldwide markets. So that's the reason, remember, that the government, whether it's USCIS approving the L-1B petition or the consular official granting the L-1 visa, needs to be convinced that this is the kind of knowledge and information that somebody just can't go and get by reading a book or attending a class, that it has to be obtained by working with the company and gaining it through very specialized proprietary software. So the term specialized knowledge should not be confused with the term specialty occupation, which is used in connection with the H-1B petition and visa process. The USCIS holds a high standard when adjudicating an L-1 petition because they request evidence that the petitioner must show that the beneficiary not only possesses specialized knowledge, but is also a key employee within the company. It's almost as if the consular officials are now merging L-1A and L-1B in some sort of gray area by saying not only do you need specialized knowledge, but you also need to be a key employee, which is, again, consistent with the L1A, but they're asking that for L1B visa applicants. Keep in mind also that it is not necessary for the beneficiary to have held the same position abroad as the intended job in the U.S., as long as the person held the job either as a manager, as an executive, or worked with specialized knowledge. So, for example, a person who was in a specialized knowledge position abroad could very well be offered a position as an executive under the L1 category, but again, they would need to show that in order to apply for the green card that they actually had worked for one year in the three years prior in that senior executive or managerial position. So although it's not required for the filing of the L1A or L1B, it's again important to understand that it is required for the green card filing. What's the duration for a person on an L1 status? Well, It's seven years in the L1A for senior executives or managers and only five years for L1B specialized knowledge employees. Any period of time which was in the U.S. in H1 status is actually counted against this maximum seven-year or five-year stay for L1A or L1B respectively. And unlike H1Bs, the L1s cannot extend their stay beyond the seven-year or five-year maximum merely by virtue of having filed 
the green card application that was pending for more than 365 days or even based on the I-140 approval. The only way is for the person to get additional time on L-1 would be to actually depart the U.S. and live for minimum one year abroad. So that's a big negative, and that's why sometimes we find people wanting to switch or change from the L-1B to an L-1A and then switch from the L-1A to an H-1B. What's the salary requirements? Unlike an H-1B, there's no minimum prevailing wage requirement for the L-1 category. They can be paid any agreed-upon salary subject to a safe, subject to the usual state and federal you know, wage and employment leg- regulations. The salary offered is instead considered from a common-sense point of view by both the USCIS and by the consulate in deciding whether to approve the petition or the visa at the consular post abroad. And the payment can be either by the U.S. entity or even by the foreign entity from abroad to the person on L-1. What are the restrictions on off-site work? Well, in certain circumstances, the employer is no longer allowed to place the L-1B at a work site other than the L-1 employer's physical location. Placing the L-1 and requiring the L-1 person to work off-site is not allowed either where... One, the work is primarily controlled and supervised by an employer other than the petitioner, L1 petitioner, or two, the work performed is essentially labor for hire rather than being related to the specialized knowledge pertaining to the unique skills or the unique proprietary information of the L1 petitioning employer. This particular restriction regarding off-site work does not apply to L1As because, again, L1As are considered to be senior executives or managers directing the policy procedures for the company and setting the overall goals. In addition, large multinational companies are allowed to do a blanket L1. So what's a blanket L1? Generally, a large company can utilize a blanket L1 to pre-qualify in order to transfer many, many L1 employees under one petition. So it saves the employer time and money. Once the blanket L-1 is approved, the company has the flexibility to transfer people to the U.S. quickly and on short notice without having to file an individual separate L-1 petition for each employee. Instead, a special form, which is the I-129S, is submitted to the USCIS. The petition is approved, and then that is sent to the person is sent to the consulate and showing the person's individual specialized knowledge and then filing the visa under the blanket petition. The basic employer requirements for the L-1 are that the U.S. office has been in existence for at least one year. Second, three or more branches, subsidiaries, or affiliates must exist and One of the following three factors, either that the U.S. sales be of $25 million or more each year, or B, the U.S. workforce of 1,000 employees or more, or C, at least 10 L-1 petition approvals in the past 12 months. So you need one of these three and that the office have been in existence for one year and three or more branches, subsidiaries, or affiliates around the world. So the employee requirements are the same for the L1s, except that specialized knowledge workers must be professionals to use the blanket L1 procedure. So what is obtaining an L1 status? 
The process of obtaining L-1 status is similar to that of an H-1B obtaining status within the U.S. The employer must file a petition with the USCIS with the sponsoring employer's detailed letter and supporting doc- documentation. Once the petition has been approved, assuming that the employee is still abroad, the employee then uses the approval notice to submit an application for an L-1 visa at the appropriate U.S. consulate. So this is the individual LNAP we're speaking about. If the employer has an approved blanket petition, then the petitioner does not need to file a separate petition for each employee, as we just discussed. The employee should be able to apply for an L-1 visa at the consulate using the blanket L-1 petition approval, along with a special form, the I-129S, which is then prepared by the employer and taken by the employee at the time of applying for the visa. On behalf of myself, Sheila Murthy and the Murthy Law Firm, we thank you for listening to today's podcast on the L1 intra-company transfer. Thank you.